Hello and welcome to the Vortos Cast. I'm Brian Dawes. And I'm Chris Delano. Uh, and that's the two of us. <laughs> that's who you get this week. Just the two of us. We can make it if we try. Just the two of us. Yeah. You um, and I. <laughs> we're gonna we're taking a, a week off of the Crimson Val story. It is still out there. Please go read it. Uh it's it's very good. Uh, but we we have the full set now of Innistrad Crimson Vow, and so it's time for our Flavor Gems episode. Uh, we will not be covering the Flavor Gems of the Commander decks because we, I mean, like we filled our entire agenda with just Crimson Vow, so we don't have really time to go into the Commander decks. But there's some really cool cards in there. Uh, we'll we've been talking about them in our Discord server. You can jump in there and have chats with us about them. Uh, lots of cool flavor stuff, including some story characters like we discussed last week with Millicent. Uh, but this week, we're doing the flavor gems uh, of just the main set. And speaking of the main set, it's now on Arena. So you can go play Crimson Vow. Uh, it is available. By the time you're listening to this episode, you might have played in a pre-release because those are uh, this weekend or these this past weekend if you're listening on Monday because time is a thing. But you can go on Arena and play Crimson Val and uh, listen to all the voice lines. Lorelai did their uh, you know, little voice line rundown that they do every set. And it's very good. It's really nice, especially since we don't just have voice lines for the Planeswalkers. We also have voice lines for a couple of other major characters in the story, uh, including Olivia and Helena and Elena. So that's neat. We don't normally get uh, a lot of avatars with voice lines that aren't Planeswalkers. Super cool. Yeah, so uh, I guess we can we can just hop right in to our uh, flavor gems, unless there's any other news that uh, you think is worth mentioning, Brian, because I haven't really been following a lot of things. I know that uh, there was like a really interesting card that showed up in a secret layer. Um, I know that there's uh, some interesting stuff going on in the world of various formats, thanks to this new set. But uh, I don't I haven't really been following that too closely lately. Yeah, me either. I've New job has had me completely busy during the day, and I don't even go home for lunch like I used to because it's further away from my house than my old job was. So, uh, yeah, I, I haven't really been paying attention to a lot of the magic news lately. So, Oh, that does remind me, since you mentioned new job, um, Jay had a baby, everyone. So <laughs> congratulations to the Anellis. Uh, there's another kid there. Uh, Arjun's got a little sibling. And once we're on, like, episode, like, 450 of the Vorthos cast, I'm sure, will be uh, entertained by occasional disruptions from a uh, even smaller child coming into Jay's recording area. So that's something to look forward to. Can't um, wait. So that's all the news for the week. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna kick it off like we normally do with our Planeswalkers of Innistrad Crimson Vow. So we've got three Planeswalkers in this set, as seems to be the the new normal. Uh, and we're starting off with the the vampire himself, Soren the Mirthless, who has a kind of a dour uh, <laughs> like look to him. This I'm so serious. Yeah, he's uh, you could say he's mirthless. Uh, Soren is our black planeswalker for the set. He is not very happy with the ongoing wedding. Uh, he seems like an interesting card. He creates vampire tokens, which is a, a pretty standard Soren thing to do. But otherwise, not as much vampire synergy as his previous card, uh, the Vengeful Bloodlord, I believe, uh, from the core set, where he was kind of a big player and standard, but also just 
an overall very powerful planeswalker. He's uh seems a little powered down this time, and that seems to be fitting since you know he's mirthless and also uh kind of an outsider in this set. He's the one vampire who's not just like really loving this eternal night. Yeah, because he's um, able to do the math. Yeah, he he did the math. We we talked about it last week. He figured out how many months they have left of humans, and it's not many. Um, also, with Soren, uh, two allies have arrived. And uh, the first one is Chandra, dressed to kill, who looks incredible. The art for Chandra, uh, both her base Planeswalker art and her full extended borderless art, whatever they're called, uh, are incredible. Absolutely beautiful. Um, But on top of that, uh, she's a mono-red Planeswalker who is taking mono-red very seriously this set. She is just doing red things. I'm here for it. I'm loving it. Um, Added on top of that, uh, she's wearing a red, essentially a red wedding dress to the party, which I love. We kind of talked about this a little bit before, I think. It but, wasn't um, the dress code. So in in most of uh, Western, you know, European and European descendant uh, cultures, the, the typical wedding dress is white these days. That is what, you know, if you... Uh, and we'll talk about this later. If you go to anywhere in the United States, uh, chances are a wedding is going to include a a bride in a white wedding dress. Uh, but if you go to India, uh, a lot of wedding ceremonies are done with red wedding dresses. Red is sort of the saffron red color is the typical wedding dress color, as far as I'm aware. Uh, so Chandra showed up to a wedding wearing a wedding dress. And <laughs> she, she gave a big middle finger to Olivia Voldaren, and I am here for it. Uh, <laughs> not a huge fan of the design of this Planeswalker, um, just because she's very mono-red, and if you're not playing, you're a deck full of red cards, she's not going to be super effective. Uh, she adds mana for red spells. She lets you cast red spells off the top of your library. She lets you do all sorts of stuff with red spells, but that's about it. Um, but otherwise, cool card. Cool, uh, cool version of Chandra. Love the arts. Uh, so, yeah. The multiple arts. <laughs> Every card has multiple arts these days. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I'm not sure how people who are trying to collect all the art, all the versions of every card can do it, because I, I just, I can't. But, yeah, I gave up on that a long time ago. Yeah. But our next card is Kaya, Geist Hunter. Um, and Kaya is just as baller as ever. Um, just in one art, she's hopping through a window or crossbolt raised, uh, with blood or wait, are those, those, I think that's, those are the spirits of Olivia's, uh, bridal gown that she's hopping over (laughs) and she's just firing and it's awesome looking. Then the other art, which is my favorite, the full art, uh, well, I guess there's another art too, but the, uh, extended art version is her with looking like she has her double daggers out is just like, oh my God. It's doing the whole anime slice through, you know, the anime dash where you slice through your opponent and then you just, and they're just coming apart. It's, oh man, that art is amazing. I just, I love it so much. I did uh, forget to mention that Soren the Mirthless uh, does come in four different flavors for this set. <laughs> There's the base art, the extended art, the Dracula series, Count Dracula art. Uh, and then there's the special uh, showcase fang treatment uh, for Soren, where his art is actually done by uh, famous Castlevania artist, uh, Ayami Kojima, which 
it's just super cool. So sexy um, Soren. Yeah. So Soren got four arts. Uh, Kaya and Chandra, I think, just got the two. But yeah, yeah. The, the Kaya art is really neat. It's really funny considering uh, people were like, well, what is a ghost hunter going to do at a vampire wedding? Well, it turns out Olivia just brought a bunch of ghosts. So the, the same thing you do to you, you do to any undead, you, you beam saber them. Yeah, she's she's mixing she's missing her axes from Caldheim. I kind of liked those. Yeah, um, they were pretty cool, and I was digging the mohawk look too. But she's still balling out. It's great. She's got the full Van Helsing straps across her chest, with like looks like artillery shells, kind of, but they're actually stakes. But it's it's great. It looks amazing. Yeah. So um, Kaya also does a lot of cool stuff with tokens. She's actually incredibly good in a deck that makes spirit tokens. Um, which is funny for a Geist Hunter, but, uh, she's a, she's a cool card. Yeah. Um, next up, we, we've, we've got a bunch of returning legendary creatures, uh, as you kind of expect for a return to a world. We have a bunch of creatures who've already had cards before and are getting new ones. Uh, and funny enough, the first one to talk about it's, is returning from the last set. <laughs> it's, it's great. Katilda Dot Heart Martyr is... It's it's really funny to me because she uh, she's a spirit warlock, emphasizing the fact that you know in the at the end of the uh, midnight hunt story, she became a spirit to enhance the to uh, finish the ritual. But uh, her, her current her spirit card has protection of vamp from vampires, which seems kind of late, but uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that would have been useful, wouldn't it? At the end of the midnight hunt story. Yeah, um, yeah. We'll talk a little bit about her flip side later. Uh, because Katilda also serves as a story spotlight card for this set. Um, but uh, anything else on Katilda? She seems like a cool card. She's, you know, a mono white enchantment commander, if that's what you're into. I mean, I, I kind of am, even though my mono white enchantment deck is Heliod the, the scumbag. But it, it, we'll, we'll, I'll get over it one day. Maybe not, but we'll see. But she will definitely fit right into that deck. Yeah. Uh, also returning for this set is another kind of unconventional returning card. We've got Thalia, Guardian of Thraben. And by that, I mean we have the card, Thalia, Guardian of Thraben again. So this is a, a reprint from the original Innistrad block uh, from Dark Ascension. We we have the one in a white, two one first striker that makes non-creature spells cost one more. It's just a straight reprint. Uh, I think it's got some incredible new art from Magali Villanov. Who- Magali just don't miss. Magali does portraits so, so good. Every time she does art of a character, that character stands out and is just so memorable. Even when Magali does characters on like forgettable draft commons, Mm -hmm. the art shows up on like play mats and people want to own prints of it. She's just so good. That hair though. (laughs) Yeah. She's, I mean, her hair is just, she does hair so well. Like one of my favorite arts is uh, Negate from Rivals of Ixalan. Ixalan, it's the like mermaid negate art. I own like 30 copies of that card. I was, I bought every single foil that I could get at my LGS just because it's so pretty and it's just negate. Um, but yeah, we've got Thalia. She's back. She's, and I uh, love the zombie handprints on the window behind her. It's so good. Uh, it's so creepy. Um, this is definitely a Thalia who is, not uh, the height of her position that she was at the end of Eldritch Moon, where she was kind of the the leader of this entire resistance force against Emrakul and all of those corrupted by Emrakul's influence. Uh, now it seems that her focus is back to just kind of killing the creatures of the night. Uh, from what we can tell, she's just in Thraben trying to cleanse it. 
Uh, her flavor text says, Thraben belongs to the living. I will not rest until it is cleansed. Now, we know that there's a side story featuring Thalia, but we haven't talked about it yet on the podcast, so I'm not going to spoil anything. Uh, but look forward to that in our next episode, um, where we will get to talk about Thalia in the current story. But for now, she's just trying to cleanse Thraben of its uh, zombie infestation. And speaking of zombie infestations in Thraben... Our next returning legendary creature is Garof, Visionary Stitcher. Uh, Garof started with a mono blue card in a commander set. He is back as a mono blue creature card. Uh, He is up to his stitching goodness. Uh, He's giving your zombies flying. He's letting you sacrifice creatures to turn them into zombie tokens uh, based on their toughness, which I, I love that little concept of like the power and toughness of this new creation is based off of how much meat he got kind of, you know? Um, but, uh, his art is fantastic. He's, uh, got his little stitch scob there in front of him. Uh, and his flavor text says, do you like it, sister? It's dreadful visage was inspired (laughs) by your own. Uh, it's it's a little stitch together scob that looks a lot like geese. Yeah. It's really good. It's very funny. I I love the card. I love Garolf. I love how they throw shade at each other so well. Yeah, I'm really hoping that we get uh, a story with him for this set. Because, you know, we got that Gisa one last set by Sean and McGuire that was just so good. And so I'm like really looking forward to one uh, from this set. So uh, yeah, that's our, our zombie returning legendary. We have a, a couple of vampire ones, though. Our first one is Anya. Made of Dishonor. And, you know, her first card was kind of combo-rific from a commander set. Uh, This card is a lot more fair, but uh, I love the play on the Maid of Honor, and now she's the Maid of Dishonor. And, like, her art is super sweet. Like, the detail with the the blood rose petals on the floor, it's really nice. Yeah, it's uh, she's looking real good. She showed up to this wedding in a suit, and it is a nice one. Um, Anjay, yeah, I I love her original card. I'm kind of eh, on this one. Um, I think that you know it's uh it's still an interesting take on the vampire character. She you know creates blood tokens and then lets you sacrifice them to drain people. Uh, I don't know what else to say. I'm just glad to see her back. Um, she looks really good. Really, you know, showed up to the wedding in the right attire. I'll tell you that. Um, Just a uh, all around exciting return. Uh, We also get, of course, the uh, the groom, Edgar, who had his original card also in a commander deck. I'm just realizing like a lot of these returning legends for Innistrad Crimson Val had their original printings of cards in commander decks, not in the Innistrad decks. Uh, But we do get Edgar back. And um, Edgar is a little disappointing (laughs) in his design. He's substantially more fair than his original card was. I'll give you that. Yeah. So Edgar Charmed Groom is a, uh, he's a vampire noble. He's a lord. He gives all other vampires you control plus one plus one. uh, Fitting. Uh, And when he dies, you return to the battlefield as his coffin. So Edgar Markov's coffin then sits on the battlefield and uh, creates vampire tokens for you. Uh, And you put bloodline counters on the coffin. And then after a few turns, he returns and he comes out of his coffin again. He's back and he's Edgar Markov, Charmed Groom again. Um, Really interesting, flavorful design. I like the design a lot. Uh, I think it, you know, is evocative of the story because Edgar is being woken up from his coffin and then kind of forced into a marriage. Not really sure how into it he is, Um, but he's a... 
it's a cool card, but it's also like his his previous card has a lot of weight behind it, and he has a lot of power behind it, which is sort of what we expect from Edgar Markov as the progenitor of all vampires on Innistrad. So this one was a little, eh, yeah, gonna, yeah. It's I'm not gonna say disappointing, but it's sort of just like. I don't, it doesn't really capture the gravita I'm expecting from Edgar Markov. I kind of wish he had made two tokens per upkeep on his backside, but I, you know, it's whatever. Um, you know, yeah. it, to me, it's just like if you have the two tokens, it can symbolize people on each side of the aisle showing up for the wedding and, uh, and it's, a, it's slightly more powerful. But as it is, I don't think this card gets played a whole lot, but we'll see. But mm-hmm. we are not a, uh, a Timmy or, or, spike or a, a, a whatchamacallit podcast we are for though so yeah but um speaking of happy couples though and by that i mean actual happy couples we we have another card for halana and elena um halana and elena partners is the name of the card they are not really hiding uh the fact that these two are in love they are uh partners in life and in monster hunting Um, We first got Halana and Elena in Commander Legends, so that wasn't really even that long ago, uh, where they partnered with each other, which was really cute. Um, And now we have uh, them together on one card, where they have First Strike and Reach, uh, and also they pump another creature at the beginning of your combat. So kind of an interesting design. It's not super flavorful. I would expect them to kind of do something together in a way. Um, but they do sort of show up and support someone else. So, you know, whenever you've uh, needed to move and you've had that lesbian couple friends uh, who come and help you and have their truck and pack your boxes with you, that's Helena and Elena. Um, really happy to have them in the set. I, I hope we can keep getting more cards for them. I would love to see them return in a set where they can be their own cards and have partner with each other again, uh, just because I think that is the most flavorful way to do it. But hey, I mean, we had Gisa and Garof on separate cards. They came together for one card in Shadows of Renistrad block, and now they're back to separate cards. Halana and Elena started as separate cards, coming back as a card together. Next time we see them, I bet they're on their own with partner, hopefully. Yep, we'll see. Hopefully um, they'll have better cards than uh, Audric's third card, which which is blood curse. Um, He like this, this card is a fail on multiple levels for me personally. um, I, 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 I'm not happy with him being a vampire and I I really can't wait to see the story as to why he's a vampire now. Um, But you know, Audric is one of my favorite characters from this, this, this world and to see him become a vampire is super disconcerting, but you know, it's whatever. Um, his art is super amazing, but you know, I I like that they chose him to become the vampire over someone like Thalia. Or Ooh. I think that he kind of his story kind of ended in Eldritch Moon, and he was kind of lost, and we didn't really know what he was going to do. So this is an interesting direction to take him. My Ooh. complaint Ooh. is that uh, the card feels like an Audric card. It definitely has all the trappings of an Audric card. I like everything about it in that sense. I think it's a really well-designed card that is just not good. <laughs> like, um, Audric, for, for those of you listening who haven't looked at the spoilers, what Audric does is when he enters the battlefield, he creates a number of blood tokens equal to sort of the keywords among creatures that you control. So first strike, flying, vigilance, trample, all of those things. If a creature has that keyword, he creates a blood token. 
Um, the problem is that like that's not very good. Um, he doesn't do anything on his own except he's a three three for three. He just kind of comes in, makes some blood tokens, and then he's a three three for three. Uh, he doesn't have the same sort of impact that the other Audric cards have had, where really once you play them, they sit on the board and do a bunch. And he doesn't he doesn't do that. Um, but I think it's cool. <laughs> I just yeah. don't think it's very good. I would have been happier if he had like a backside or something where he actively used that blood to give himself or other creatures those keyword abilities. But, you know, it's whatever. Like me personally, if I were designing this card, he would have been a human on the front side and he would have flipped um, some something with something uh, concerning the blood tokens. And then uh, his backside, he would sacrifice blood tokens to give himself or other creatures those keyword abilities. That's just me. Yeah, I I really hope we get another take on Audric the Vampire uh, sometime in the near-ish future. Because while I think that's a really cool story thing, and I think this card is a really good Audric design, it's not very powerful. You're not going to see a lot of people building an Audric blood cursed commander deck. Um, meanwhile, the other Audrics have like shown up in lots of different commander decks and people love to play with them because they, they do cool things. They are amazing. And I, it's rare for me to have a white deck that does not have one, if not both of the Audrics in it. So yeah, but uh, we should move on and talk about sort of the, the woman of the hour, the lady of the event, the, the big bridezilla <laughs> of Crimson Vow. Olivia Crimson Bride. And she is amazing both in design and in flavor. Like her her art is amazing on all of the cards. And like even in the trailer that was done today, like you can feel uh -huh. the power that she exudes and like it, it's whew, Olivia is just nailing it in this set. It, it's her card is amazing. Um and it, it's in, in uh, it's perfectly designed for what she does because she literally brought back uh, Edgar from uh, the dead, so to speak. Um, and that's what her card does. And it's, I just love this card. Yeah. So she, uh, she has flying in haste. And so when she attacks, she gets to return a creature card. It can be any creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped and attacking with her. So think of it as like getting married to some corpse she found. Um, which is kind of what she's doing. Uh, and then that creature has, when you don't control a legendary vampire, exile this creature. So she says, hey, honey, get out of grave, get out of your grave. It's time for us to go fight. Uh, and if she leaves, you go with her because she's not going to just let you sit around. I mean, unless you are a legendary vampire who can, who don't need no Crimson Bride. Oh, that's true. If you do bring back a legendary vampire, they can just stay on their own. That makes sense. Um, I like that. I didn't realize that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, Olivia is great. I love her design. I think she's uh, flavorful. I think the art is amazing. I think that uh, she feels powerful in a way that some of the other legendary vampires really didn't feel in this set. Um, but we'll talk about those uh, in a second because we, we've got some returning. We've got some new legendary creature cards. This is the first time that they've had a creature card, but they've been on flavor text before and they've been a part of the story before. And that's two creatures. Uh, the first one I want to talk about is old Rutstein, who 
I was so excited to hear about a card because this was one of my like wild card picks for someone who would get a card in these new Innistrad sets. So old Rutstein um, is a flavor text character. He's shown up in a lot of flavor text. He's just this dude trying to live his life in Innistrad, selling his wares, traveling around, encountering some very interesting people. Uh, and he finally has his own card in Innistrad Crimson Vow, where he he kind of feels like that, where he is doing uh, a little bit of traveling, a little bit of bartering and selling. So Old Rudstein is a uh, one black and a green legendary creature. Uh, when he enters the battlefield or the beginning of your upkeep, you mill a card. So you kind of rummage through your library. Uh, if a land card is milled this way, you get a cre- treasure token. Congratulations, you found some treasure. If a creature card is milled this way, you create an insect. So you turned over a corpse and found a bug. If a non-creature, non-land card is milled this way, you create a blood token. Because, well, I mean, um, I don't know. You just get a blood token for it. <laughs> that one, that one, that that part doesn't really feel as evocative as the other two. But it's pretty cool. Uh, it's a good way to like generate some value every turn. And he's uh, got this like real creepy art. Uh, some of that good, good Greg Staples art. Um, God, he's been pl- making magic art forever. Um, but yeah, I'm a big fan of this old Rutstein. He's basically exactly what I want him to be. You know, I want this card that's cool, flavorful, not super powerful, definitely will fit into a bunch of different decks, um, but not like, you know, a big marquee card. Yeah, and our next uh, flavor text legend is Runo Stromkirk. While he isn't as prolific as old Rutstein or Rustein, uh, He's the progenitor of the Stromkirk House of Vampires, and my favorite or his most notable appearance is on Awoken Horror for me, uh, where he says it serves an evidence. It serves as evidence to the ancient power of the deep, a reminder that sea is the only thing worthy of reverence. And Runo has always been a fan of big squiggly monsters with all sorts of appendages because he also in other flavor texts uh, is super a fan of people being touched by Emrakul. So yeah, the, the Stromkirk brought bloodline um, kind of was like the one to most embrace Emrakul in the sense of like, they didn't mind growing tentacles and extra appendages. Uh, Runo looks untouched by all of that. He seems to be uh, as far as we can tell a normal humanoid, um, but his flip side is Krothus, Lord of the Deep, and that is not a human. That is a Kraken horror, uh, and most notably, not the Crawlmar. It, it's uh, he's an interesting card. Um, I, I'm really interested to see what people do with him in Commander. I hope I probably won't be building him because blue black big stuff really isn't my thing, but uh, could be interesting to see. It's a really cool take on the like priest of the deep you know who's like worshiping ancient sea monsters um my only complaint is that Krothus is not the Kralmar. <laughs> so it just doesn't it, it feels like it's missing a little bit on that sense but otherwise i think it's a very cool card i think the uh the little fang vampire treatment that it got um has some wonderful art where runo is sort of this like creepy kind of you know castlevania-esque vampire on the front and then transforms into this like towering monster on the back it's um good stuff big fan of uh this interpretation of runo do wish that he uh turned into the crawlmar if they just changed the name to the crawlmar i would have been happy um but that's a that's a little bit of like a vorthos thing you know yeah it's fair um our next card is uh 
Jacob Hawken, Inspector, who we actually talked about in our last story episode. Um, this guy is super, he's a really good geist. Is it, what do they call it? Not geist caller. He's, he called himself something else. Crap. He, he comes from like a line of geist speakers or something. Yeah. They, people who talk to ghosts. We know a lot about him because of that story, but like, just as a reminder, we don't have an article yet on the legends of Crimson Val. So that, all we know is from what we talked about last week. And like, I, like I said last week, I really hope that we get more of him. In some of these future stories, even though it's probably not going to happen. I, I can't wait to hear about what happens after he and um, that geist who can possess other humans or living humans. Uh, so I want to see what they get up to. Yeah, I um I like the card. I like the the way it plays out. I think it uh the fact that it transforms into uh, an enchantment and Hawkins insight um is really neat that you know you have the invest the inspector on one side and then he finds some big breakthrough on the other side. Um yeah, so neat card. Uh but like I said, we don't really know a lot other than what we talked about at length in the last episode. Um, there's a lot of uh, new legendary creatures who don't have any lore yet. So uh, I'm just going to mention a couple of them. Uh, Henrika Domnathi. We know that she is in the story. We have not discussed it yet, but she is a vampire who uh, drinks demon blood. So that's creepy. Um, she is sort of like a uh, vampire Nighthawk Lord too in her card, which I think is really neat where she uh, buffs creatures that have, uh, at least on her backside, she buffs creatures that have uh, flying death touch and lifelink, while she herself has flying le- le- death touch and lifelink. Um, I like that her card, you kind of can tell she consorts with demons in her card because it has that uh, at the beginning of combat on your turn, you choose one that hasn't been chosen effect where you you play her and then you have like a, a decreasing number of options every turn until finally you have to transform her. Or you can just transform her right off the bat if you so choose. Um, but yeah, I think it's a flavorful way of uh, describing a, a vampire that consorts with demons because she turns into Henrika, Infernal Seer. Um, and she says, once you've tasted demon blood, you'll wonder why you ever settled for human. Uh, so not a lot about her, but she's cool. Um, we also have another uh, legendary creature who has no lore, and I'm not sure what lore they're going to give him. Because it's Toxril, the Corrosive, who is a slug horror. Um, I don't know much about him. He's a slug. He looks like he was probably uh, heavily affected by Emrakul's influence. Uh, He is a mono-black creature card with a blue-black activated ability that says, you know, blue and a black, sacrifice a slug, draw a card. So here's your tribal slug commander, everyone. All I know is he better stay away from me at the commander table, because if he doesn't, I'll be melting him because I'm salty as heck. Especially after he kills all my pretty little elves. Oh yeah, he's a he's a cool card, and he has um he has some uh some synergy with a card from the previous set too that also puts slime counters on things, which Toxtrol does. Uh, so that's um yeah that's our slug. I mean, I don't know what else to tell you. We don't have any other lore for him. I I wouldn't run into him in the wild without a salt shaker. <laughs> our next card is Dorothea, vengeful victim. And I just, I, I love this card because I love the reference to Geist of St. Traft because, you know, it's, it's, she's essentially the same card, except she's slightly bigger, but you have to sacrifice her. But her, when she's disturbed, she essentially becomes invocation of St. Traft. And I love the, the idea of a Geist 
who joins up with a human and is helping them get revenge for her. And I love that. Yeah, we another legendary creature where we don't know much about her, but her card is pretty flavorful. We kind of get the story, even if we don't know much about her. And our next card is Erith or Aerith. Let's go with Aerith. Oh, I have no idea. <laughs> uh, let's go with Aerith, uh, Tormented Prophet. Kind of reminds me of Aerith from Final Fantasy VII, being a kind of foreteller of bad things or the ancients or whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, but this card is... Uh, Really makes you feel for her because she's cursed with visions of monsters and suffering, but all of her dreams come true. But yeah, Aerith, I love the art on on Aerith. Um, And super powerful. Feel bad for her because she sees bad things and they always come true. It's like I see dead people and it's rough. Yeah, I I think it's very flavorful that she's like this tormented prophet. And her her ability is that uh, when you draw, if you would draw a card. So she's replacing the card draw. You never actually draw a card when she's in play. You exile the top two cards of your library instead, and you may play those cards this turn. So it's kind of like, yeah, you're you're drawing an extra card every turn or every time you would draw a card, but they don't last. You don't get to hold on to them. You draw that card and that's it's you draw two cards, but they're exiled. And so if she goes away, they go away. If you don't play them that turn, they're gone forever. Feels very much like someone who's kind of being tormented. You know, you don't get to hold on to anything, but it's always right there. You just have to do it and do it and keep going. Um, very, very good red, blue, tormented prophet design. I'm a, I'm a big fan of it. Um, yet again, another character we don't really know much about. Maybe she'll show up in one of the stories. Uh, but speaking of other characters, we have Grawlnock, the omnivorous, who's a legendary creature frog. This is a um, this is your frog creature. It's, he's a frog lord. Whenever a frog you control attacks, mill three cards. Uh, he's a self-mill, blue-green frog lord. You put croak counters on cards. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. It's just it's a flavorful creature. <laughs> it's very fun. And just lord. like Chub Toad and, uh, oh my god, what's his name? The other, the Gitrog monster, there's always an arm hanging out of their mouth. <laughs> yeah, Grawlnock is... Uh, Big creepy frog monster. Um, I don't really get how the design says frog other than putting croak counters on it. Uh, it's whenever a frog you control attacks, you mill three cards. Whenever a permanent card is put into your graveyard from your library, exile it with a croak counter on it. You may play lands and cast spells from among cards you own in exile with croak counters on them. So like he works really well with the Gitrog monster because you can mill lands, which then uh, allows you to draw a card off of the Gitrog monster and then you exile them with Grawlnock so that like you get the bonus effect of both of them. Um, and then you can play those lands. So like he works really well, but you can't play them together in a commander deck or any kind of deck because they're blue green and black green. And it's just they're both pretty expensive. I, I don't know. It's um I'm interested in the story behind Grawlnock because he, he he's just a big frog. And the Gitrog frog story is like a pretty famous piece of magic fiction at this point. So hopefully we get something because that would be cool. And then uh, last but not least in our long list of legendary creatures is Torin's Fist of the Angels, who is a human cleric. He's a Sigarden human fist of the... I mean, like, I don't know what to tell you about him. <laughs> There's a, he's, he's a guy who hopefully we'll learn more about, uh, works with the angels, has training, Whenever you cast a creature spell, you create a 1-1 one, one green and white human soldier creature token with training, which is a really powerful effect since he's a human and a cleric and he's white and green. So it's like fits into all those humans decks. If you have a Katilda deck, he works really well in that. Uh, but 
I don't know much else about him. That's that's the extent of the lore we have for Torrens at the moment. Can't wait. I hope he's in a story or we get story about him, but we'll see. Well, um, before we talk more about story, there's just a few cards I wanted to bring up. Uh, some flavorful reprints we're getting. Uh, we get Doom Dissenter, which is originally printed in Amonkhet. Uh, just fits really well on Innistrad. I just wanted to bring up that, like, that's another one of those cards that just works really well in both both of the sets. Um, he's a 1-1 one, one for 2. When he dies, you create a 2-2 two, two zombie. He works really great with the exploit mechanic, but also he just fits in with Innistrad. He's a human who, when he dies, makes a zombie. Just chef's kiss. Mwah. Perfect. Yep. Our next flavorful reprint is Hero's Downfall, Rip Audric. Or I guess not Rip, because you're a vampire now. That sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he uh, he had his downfall, that's for sure. Um, we also have a, a reprint of Splendid Reclamation, which is really cool, because that card was originally printed in Eldritch Moon and is now reprinted in Crimson Val. But instead of Nyssa doing the Splendid Reclamation, it's Rin. I just think it's really cool. We have a, we have a card with Rin and Seven on it, and she's... Uh, bringing back the life of the forest. Um, the flavor text is these seeds waited faithfully for the sun to rise again. Now their patience is rewarded. It's great. It fits perfectly, which is really cool. When you see those reprints of cards that were important sort of lore moments, uh, you see them again. And here's Ren doing Nissa's job, um, sort of standing in and being the cultivator of life again. So I loved it. Uh, but Splendid Reclamation, not a story spotlight, but we do have 12 story spotlights for this set. Um, so we're going to go through them in the order that I think they occur. This is speculation because we don't know necessarily. Um, but we start off with the Voldaren Estate. That's where the setting of the story is. Yep. And the Voldaren Estate looks awesome. And it kind of low-key looks like the Planeswalker symbol in the base art. <laughs> um and I, I I love how wizards like if there if there's one thing they do well is sneaking the Planeswalker logo into various different cards and it, it's it's great um, and it's I like the ability but you know that that's just me the the, the blood ability anyway yeah it's also the uh, for the Dracula series it's like the the Bio Box promo and it's Castle Dracula so that's a really cool um, sort of you know association to have i guess <laughs> i don't know how to describe that it's really neat voldaren estate castle dracula same thing um we've also got uh sort of going in the order the blood tithe harvester as we remember from the first story they were taking tithes of blood that's a story spotlight uh we also have edgar's awakening as we know from the first story soren shows up and his grandpa's not there anymore Turns out Olivia has woken him up for the wedding. And speaking of the wedding, we have the wedding invitation. I love how on the art for wedding invitation, you can see the little bats that were referenced um, in the first story as well, where they were carrying the, the the invitations out to different people. Yeah, and we haven't gotten there yet, but we know that by invitation only, uh, we know Olivia has put up some sort of defense around this place where if you don't have an invitation, you can't get in. Uh, she will just blast you off the side of her mountain. Uh, and we know through the cards, we haven't seen the story yet, she's got Sigarda there. We have Sigarda's imprisonment. Sigarda's all hung up and probably part of some sort of grisly ritual that we haven't gotten to yet. Um, but we know that it's fine because we also have in the festivities. In the, fest the festivities is awesome to me because it reminds me of that meme from Dexter where it's the, 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 the cop who shows up, surprise, mother lover. And uh, 
yeah, it, that's what this reminds me of. It's werewolves showing up because of flavor text says when the defenses around Lumen Brom Fortress faltered, the Crimson Ballroom received some unexpected deaths, and there are werewolves and wolves on the yard. It's great. Yeah, we uh, we also know that some humans showed up because we also have Resistance Squad, which depicts a bunch of humans breaking into uh, the wedding, ready to to put a stop to it. Olivia says, it's not that I didn't expect some defiance, but I did hope it wouldn't be so heavily armed. Uh, <laughs> they show up and Sigarda is freed somehow. And we have the card Sigarda summons where it looks like uh, Sigarda has decided that it's time to call in the angels again. Uh, with Olivia distracted, Sigarda tore free from her bindings and summoned her host of herons. So we have her angelic host showing up again. Uh, and then I'm guessing this is the order. She might have been distracted by this, but we have Sure Strike. <laughs> sure Strike is hilarious to me as well because before the officiant, or the flavor text says, before the officiant even had a chance to ask if anyone objected to the Valderan Markov Union, Arlen made her opinion known as she's busting through the glass and is leaping at Olivia. And it's it's perfect. Like you would have like me personally going to the story, I thought Soren would have been the one to raise his voice and object, but nah, Arlen got it. <laughs> Arlen Arlen is making her opinion known. Um and then to sort of wrap up the story, because we're assuming things at the wedding are canceled and everything happens, we have two connected story spotlight cards. And again, Catilda Dawnheart Martyr, who, by the way, transforms into Catilda's Rising Dawn, where we can see her, I believe, regaining life or at least returning her spirit to her body uh, and sort of presiding over the end of this ritual to bring back the dawn. And then we have Glorious Sunrise, which is... I'm pretty sure the last story spotlight card because it depicts uh, Teferi and Catilda and Arlen standing in front of the Celestis and there's a beautiful sunlight coming from behind them. It's very triumphant. So uh, sorry to spoil it, but we know that the story is going to end happily. I'm just curious how it's going to get there because things are dark in the story. So we'll see. We'll see how they get to their glorious sunrise. Uh, but before we run out of time, uh, we do want to run through a couple of things. I mean, it's in Innistrad. We've got some tropes to go through. Uh, we've got some wedding-themed cards, right? Because it's a wedding. So you've got wedding announcement, announcing the wedding, the wedding invitation. You've got the bride's gown and groom's finery, which I think are two wonderful cards to have linked together. Uh, there are two equipment cards. The bride's gown is white. The groom's finery is black. If you have them both in play, they boost each other. Uh, we also have, of course, if you're having a wedding, you have the unholy efficient and the Markov purifier who are doing the sort of religious duties of the wedding of, you know, asking the, the bride and groom, do you take this, you know, undead monstrosity to be your love for all of eternity? I suppose. I don't even know if they'd use the word love. Um <laughs> I mean, the, the card, the unholy efficient flavor text is, is this twisted ceremony simply a mockery of the human right, or is it Olivia falling for her own charade? Soren Markov. So. Uh, Olivia's got her uh, attendants, which are sort of her maids of honor, uh, you know, bridesmaids, not the maid of dishonor. Um, we also have a welcoming vampire and wedding security, which I thought was very cute to have these, uh, these two cards that are sort of depicting the, you know, people at the door saying, come welcome, except for you kick them out. Uh, there's refreshments in blood fountain, blood servitor and sanguine statuette, uh, blood fountain being, you know, a fountain of blood as you would have, you know, maybe a fountain of punch at a wedding, 
Uh, the sanguine statuette, I think, is very cute because it's like a frozen blood statue. It's like an ice sculpture, but it's blood. Um, and then the blood servitor is one of these like blood spirits who is walking around serving people blood from itself. Um, very, very cute refreshment. I'll tell you that. Uh, also, speaking of serving things, we've got Dying to Serve and Undead Butler, who are uh, the caterers, I suppose. They are working with the caterers for this wedding as the zombies are walking around serving the guests snacks. Uh, the snack is, of course, blood. There's a theme here. Um, we also have, of course, as any wedding will have, the sort of rowdy guests and the gluttonous guest and the restless blood seeker uh, slash blood soaked reveler. And then the belligerent guest. So these are the uh, wedding guests who are eating a little bit too much, drinking a little bit too much, getting a little too rowdy on the dance floor. Uh, the set also gave us the flower girl and the blood petal celebrant, which is cute. It's this younger looking girl vampire walking, throwing these blood petals behind her. Uh, and of course, every wedding needs a dance. And we have the alluring suitor who transforms into the deadly dancer. We also have a Markov waltzer. And the Falconrath celebrants, who are all celebrating and dancing on the, the dance floor. Uh, and once the wedding is done, the lovely bride and groom are going to jump into the honeymoon horse. Honeymoon horse. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to jump. The bride and groom are going to jump into the honeymoon hearse, uh, which you can just see, you know, is going to have the little trailing tin cans behind it and a just married written on the back. Um, so those are the the sort of wedding themed cards from the main set. We got some in the commander sets as well. Uh, but yeah, those are those are cute. I just have a question, Chris. Where's yes. the something old, something new, something borrowed and something blue? Like one color could be left out. Let's leave white out because white is already has the wedding ring in the commanders or in the uh, uh, theme set, uh, theme packs or whatever. So you could have something old. We can say that something uh, green. That's it could be a green card to get something back out of the graveyard. Something new can be some a black card that lets you look at the top card of your library, or it could be an artifact or something. Something borrowed, red, steel effect, obviously, and then something blue. Something blue, obviously, a blue card. Like, where, where is this cycle? I need this. I need this. Well, uh, I will say something old is definitely Edgar. Have you looked at that guy? He looks like he's oh. going to fall over him. Oh, wow. <laughs> and something new is Audric, because he's a new vampire. See, we've got no, those. No, get out. Get out. <laughs> um, it, it wouldn't be Innistrad without some horror tropes as well. Uh, so some big ones that, that I wanted to, to point out, we've got the uh, panicked bystander who turns into the cackling culprit. This is the uh, the guy running away from the murder scene going, oh, someone's been murdered, help. And he's the one who committed it. Uh, we have a, a card just called Vampire Slayer. We've got that now. So no more, you know, elite inquisitor or other hints at someone being a vampire slayer. This is just a vampire slayer. We also have the soul cipher board that turns into the cipher bound spirit. So this is your Ouija board that you've consulted with the spirits. And guess what? You've welcomed one into your home. Oh no. Um, we've got our winged portent, which is the classic trope. If you ever watch like an old style horror movie where like the birds or the bats fly in front of the moon and sort of block it out for a minute. And maybe they form like a weird, ominous shape that's what this is it's the winged portent is a bunch of birds flying in front of the moon forming the shape of a skull uh we also got a card called aim for the head which is just delightful boom headshot <laughs> yeah it uh it kills it kills zombies i mean that's that's kind of uh that's its whole shtick it's called aim for the head the art has someone shooting a zombie through the head 
you can exile a zombie or have a opponent exile cards from their hand. It's perfect. Yeah, it's it's such a clear, clever design. Uh, has some Halana flavor text too, where she says, works every time. Remember, <laughs> always go for the head. Um, we've got the concealing curtains and revealing eye. So that's, you know, the creepy curtains in front of the, the window or the mirror that you reveal and there's a big eldritch eye looking at you. Um, the desperate farmer, depraved harvester. Uh, I love this one because it's like, there's sort of a viral tweet that was going around for a really long time where it's like, I want to see the horse girl story where the, the horse dies in the first act. And so the girl practices necromancy to bring it back. Yep. That's what happens here. The, the farmer's horse dies. So he's so distraught that he uh, are desperate that he brings the horse back from the dead. And now we've got ourselves a ghoul caller. Uh, we also have the innocent traveler and malicious invader, which is the trope of the innocent kind looking, maybe, you know, weak looking person who comes to the door of the tavern or your home in the wilds and says, oh, please let me in, please. I need somewhere to stay. And then the moment you do, they turn none to a giant vampire and kill you. So surprise, mother trucker. Yep. Uh, <laughs> we have the ragged recluse uh, that transforms into an odious witch. Uh, and this is a, uh, a kindly old woman who lets you into her home and, and invites you in for dinner and, and asks you if you'd please stay for just one meal. And then she eats you. So it's a human peasant that turns into a human warlock. Uh, absolutely. She is just eating people. Kind of sad. There's no witch's oven in this set. You know, I'm kind of happy. There's not. Cause that card is busted. No, um, you're, 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 you're the, the cat is busted. Not the oven. This is not a spike podcast. Um, <laughs> we've also got the creepy puppeteer who is, you know, puppets are scary. This one's making some puppets that look like people. Uh, the saw blade slinger and spiked rip saw. So I love these because uh, it's kind of like a trope in modern horror movies and games where like the chainsaw is like a really good item. Um, and we know that the Half-Life series uh, lets you literally shoot saw blades at people like the, the the circular saw blades. So these are kind of their take on that where it's a person wielding a chainsaw or excuse me, a spiked rip saw. In uh, Innistrad, uh, we've got our boarded window, which is a uh, artifact that keeps things out. But once it gets overwhelmed, it breaks. So, you know, it's a very good top down design. Like this is the kind of design I would have expected in the original Innistrad set. I wonder if they designed this in that set, too, because um, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, and then one of my my favorites, the Dollhouse of Horrors, which is one of the creepiest cards. Oh, my God, it's so good, though. <laughs> uh, it is a dollhouse essentially it's an artifact that lets you exile a creature card from your graveyard create a token that's a copy of it except it's a zero zero construct uh and it gets plus one plus one for each construct you control so it's it's kind of like you turn your your dead creatures into dolls and the more they are the the more powerful they are you can get overwhelmed by creepy dolls uh just terrifying it's a great horror group uh, the art also features this little dollhouse with a giant eye looking in the window. So we also have uh, the journal for the investigator that's just full of clues. Um, it's funny. It's like the only clue in the set. It's an actual clue. It's a two mana clue uh, that enters with suspect counters on it, equal to the greatest number of creatures a player controls. And then you get to eliminate suspects. And as you do, you draw a card. So I just I think that's a very good top down design. Super great. Um, but then we've got a few other flavor gems to mention. That'll be uh, the end of our flavor gem show. So, what else do you want to talk about? So, I love the S Wall Shield Breaker. Um, I love the fact that this dude is 
Um, there, I'm sorry. This lady is walking around with a door that survived a malignous or the malignous attack. Why isn't malignous legendary? Hmm? Hmm. <laughs> but now the door is her greatest weapon, and she is ball. She is balling out with that that door, just like what is that? A, is that a vampire or a zombie? I can't tell. But she's like, <laughs> it's great. Yeah, I, I love that card. I love the um. The idea of referencing the malignus in a flavor text is great because that was a, a pretty memorable card from the original Innistrad Black. I uh, love throwing it with Brian Stoutarm with uh, um, dual caster or not dual caster illusionist bracers. So just kill somebody with it. Whoosh. Uh, my a card I wanted to talk about is Fleeting Spirit, and so this is kind of a flavor gem outside of canon in a way. Uh, so Fleeting Spirit is a a creature. Um, that depicts the art depicts a, a spirit sort of being stabbed by a vampire while it's like killing the vampire with its bare hands. Um, this is a, a fun flavor card because the artist gave some backstory about their own sort of story for these characters. So there's no like canon story here, but the artist said that when she was making the art uh, in her mind, this vampire and this Cathar used to be in love and the vampire cheated on him and now and killed him. And now the Cathar spirit is back for revenge. And oh, I just wow. think that adds like a lot to the art and makes it really, I don't know, just it makes it really good. It's really cool. Yeah. Um, we also, uh, we got some flavor text. There's a lot of flavor text characters. Um, I'm just going to go through all these different uh, flavor text references. We've got Storm Chaser Drake and Persistent Specimen, which both have Garl flavor text. Garl is a uh, Stitcher's assent- assistant from several flavor texts throughout Mad- throughout Innistrad. Um, we also have the Flame Blessed Bolt, which is uh, has flavor text from Higa. And this is the second time Higa's gotten flavor text. So Higa is a Slayer. Uh, I believe it's a Kessig Slayer. And, you know, once you've gotten on two cards, you're going to get your own legendary creature card soon. So keep an eye out for Higa. Uh, the, uh, what is the, the name? Uh, Higa, Slayer Captain of Gastaff. So uh, we also have uh, some Greek flavor text and Rending Flame. Greet did not get a card, which I'm a little disappointed from because Greet has had a lot of flavor text. So we'll we'll hopefully get a, a legendary Greet card soon and not just a Audric's Lieutenant card like we had before. Uh, and then there's um, a couple of other cards I think you wanted to talk about, at least one. Yep. And Kindly Ancestor, Ancestor's Embrace is my favorite, favorite flavor text slash art combination um in the past couple years maybe ever i'm not 100 percent certain it's just it's so great it, it's you can see in the front side of the card it's um an elderly woman with her wedding attire or maybe it's not wedding attire maybe it's just white but it looks like wedding attire to me and there's white petals falling and it, it looks so peaceful and you know it, and in the flavor texas you look cold dearie and the back side of the card is a, a, a young woman with the spectral um, cloak that resembles kind of the fabric of the, the 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 dress that the old woman was wearing on the front. And the the flavor text says, "Thank you, grandmother. I love you too." And it just it 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 hurts in all the right ways, and it's so good, but it's so ah oh, man, it's, yeah. It's, so wonderful this one this one hit me pretty hard because uh i lost my my nana last year so um the the sort of 
feeling of of missing your your uh, grandmother is it's a pretty strong feeling. So I am um, definitely a very evocative card. Very beautiful art. Um, one of our live listeners mentioned that the artist uh, used her own late grandmother as the inspiration for the front side of Kindly Ancestor. So that's a good place, I think, to um, to leave our flavor gems. Um. So yeah. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, you uh, can. You can continue enjoying it for free, or you can be part of our live listener audience and provide us insights that we might have missed, like our last uh, comment about uh, the artist providing her late grandmother, or you can give me my final thoughts at times, or you can just listen and hang out and laugh at all the things that are probably going to be cut out of the episode because I stumble over words a lot. But, you know, who knows? You can have your own influence on the episode at times. Yeah, Um, and the, the way to do that, is to uh, join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash thevorthoscast, where $1 a month gets you access to the Discord server, and $3 a month gets you access to the live listen tier. That's like a cup of coffee a month will get you the ability to listen to us live four times a month, usually, uh, where we just talk for a while. We've been going on for about an hour now. Yep. Um, But yeah, uh, thank you all for listening. This has been the Vorthoscast.